Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty today. Here's what we have in store for episode number 101. I'm going to run through the players that I own the most of. All the players that I own the most of, for better or for worse, I'm going to reveal them to you and you can judge whether you think it's wise of me to have these players or not. Uh, Generally, as a rule, I'm not afraid of being overexposed to players that I like. Uh, Many of my teams actually look pretty similar to each other because when I believe in a player, I draft him or I trade to get him. That said, it is hard to own every player I like because other owners in this, you know, want the same players. They draft them ahead of me in rookie or startup drafts, and then they won't sell them via a trade. So I try to get them in a trade if I can, but uh, I will not overpay for sure. I'm currently in eight dynasty leagues, and I recently decided to go look over all of my teams to determine the players that I own the most of. Every year I do this. It gives me a chance to be honest about whether I have overexposure to these players and whether it's wise or unwise to do so. I do this to remember what I thought when I acquired the players and to consider if the process was sound or if I made a mistake along the way. Just got to be honest as a dynasty owner. I would recommend, recommend this as an annual process for all dynasty owners, actually. So here you're going to get to read my thoughts about the players that I own in 50% of my dynasty leagues. As I try to be honest about my current value compared to the moves I made to get these players. So eight leagues. These are, uh, I think I have seven players here that are the players that I own at 50% of. So they're in four or more of my leagues that I have. Actually, they're actually all in four. So I have 50% of all these players. First one is Jameis Winston. I'm going to ask three questions, by the way. How did I acquire them? What do I think of them now? And what do I plan to do with them? So with Jameis, how did I acquire him? Um, in drafts, Winston, uh, I got him in two startup drafts. I adopted him in one orphan team that I took over. And I traded Jared Goff for Winston midseason last year when Winston was tearing it up and Goff was really struggling. As for what I think about him now, man, I was really riding high with all of my Winston shares last year. His fantasy value was rising um, last year, even uh, even though his NFL value was diminishing because of all of his interceptions. He finished last year as a third-ranked quarterback in six-point-per-touchdown leagues. Pretty crazy. With his 5,100 yards and his 33 touchdowns, he had an aggressive new head coach in Bruce Arians and the most productive wide receivers in the league last year with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans combined to be the best receiver tandem. His future looked really bright. Even his 30 interceptions could not keep his fantasy value down, or so I thought. I was really shocked when the Buccaneers refused to re-sign him to a new contract, and I was even more astounded that he was not quickly picked up by a team that needed a starting quarterback. So his dynasty value obviously plummeted as a result. He was a top 10 quarterback during the season last year for me in my dynasty rankings, but now he's my 28th ranked quarterback. If he was uh, not going to be signed to compete for a starting position, though, he couldn't have landed in a better spot as the backup to Drew Brees in New Orleans. Drew Brees is uh, almost certainly in the last year of his contract, even though it is, I think, a two-year contract. Given, given that he's already signed a television contract for next year, I really believe this is going to be Brees' last year. 
Uh, however, Winston only signed a one-year deal as well, so he'll have to prove himself in the locker room or on the practice field to be signed to a long-term contract in New Orleans and become the successor to Breeze. I really imagine that Winston will get some playing time this season, um, in the, maybe in the fourth quarter of blowout games. I think he could start if the 41-year-old Breeze gets injured like he did last year. And I really do not believe that Taysom Hill is Breeze's backup or is being groomed to, to take over the position after Breeze retires. I think that was evidence, one, by Teddy Bridgewater's starts when Breeze was injured last year and by the fact that they signed Winston this offseason. I think Winston's dynasty value has taken an enormous hit, but he could rebound significantly a year from now if Breeze retires, and, of course, Winston would need to sign a new contract with New Orleans. As for what I'm thinking about doing with him, I really plan to keep Winston in all the rosters next year. Um, I only own him in one quarterback leagues, so I can't really sell him at this point, so the only options are to hold him or to drop him, and I plan to keep him. I'm sure that this is contrary uh, to what other owners will do. It's going to be really interesting to see if Winston gets cut in leagues where I don't own him when rosters get trimmed back before the season starts. Uh, man, if he gets cut, I'll have myself a little predicament. I may actually pick him off, up, off of waivers and own him in more leagues if I do that. I have very capable quarterbacks ahead of him in every league where I do own him, so I don't mind waiting a year uh, to see what takes place. He'll be a dead spot on my roster for sure. But so are many rookies and second-year players on my teams, and so I just have to change my mindset to be kind of see him that way, see him as a rookie quarterback that's learning behind the veteran um, before getting the opportunity, so to speak, only with this, quote, rookie. Obviously, he's not a rookie, but if I treat him like one, uh, I actually have a rookie on my bench, a, quote, rookie on my bench that's already been a top three fantasy producer at the position. So I'm actually going to hold Winston in every league where I have him. As a reminder, I do play in leagues that have 27 to 30-man rosters, so pretty deep. And uh, like I said, I only own him in one quarterback leagues. In two quarterback leagues, I would definitely hold him. But I could see how some might drop him in a one quarterback league. Next player that I own the most of is Keenan Allen. How did I acquire him? Uh, I drafted Allen in three leagues, and then I adopted him on an orphan team that I picked up. What do I think of him now? Uh, Keenan Allen is one of my most favorite players of all time. He really is. He's perennially a top 12 wide receiver um, at the end of the season, even though he does not, he's not a touchdown producer. What he does is he's a PPR monster who racks up yards, providing a consistent floor every week. Check this out. He had 102, 97, and 104 catches the last three seasons. He's had 1,393, 1,196, and 1,199 yards the last three seasons. That is consistency. I drafted Allen in the second round of three startup drafts, and I've started him almost every week of his career, minus the lost season, of course, in 2016 when he was injured. He and Phillip Rivers have had an incredible connection which is why in three of the leagues where I own Allen, I actually also own Rivers, helping kind of stack points for me. And of course, all that fantasy goodness has come to a bitter end with Rivers leaving for Indianapolis and the Chargers relying on much more conservative Tyrod Taylor or their rookie quarterback, Justin Herbert, this year. These circumstantial changes have really caused me to drop Allen. Uh, he's dropped, although only to number 18 in my rankings, whereas he was really a top 10 wide receiver for years and years, in my opinion. As for what I'm going to do with him, I still really believe in Allen's talent. Uh, he's one of the best pure route-running receivers in the league, and Tyrod Taylor won't throw the anticipatory passes that Rivers could, but he can hit guys when they're open, and Allen will get free all the time. 
I'll still start Allen every week in my start three wide receiver leagues where I have to start three wide receivers. I think Allen will start every single week um, until Taylor or maybe the Chargers prove that they're not going to take advantage of his skills. Uh, I've entertained trade offers with Allen this season. I have. I've given trade offer. I've also received trade offers for him. So that has happened, but I've just not been able to find the right uh, fit. I was looking for like younger wide receivers, perhaps, and just haven't been able to strike a deal. I still value Allen higher than most owners, too. That's probably part of the problem why I can't get a deal done. I really think that Allen right now is at the very peak of his career, and he's really looking to sign one more last big contract after this season. This is the last year of his contract, and as evidenced by his recent Twitter spats, he's motivated to prove that he's still a top-tier wide receiver, and I still believe that he is. Next player that I own in 50% of my leagues is Jarvis Landry. How did I acquire him? Um, I drafted Landry in two leagues, and I traded uh, Tyler Boyd to get him in two leagues before the 2018 season. What do I think of him now? Uh, Much of what I said about Keenan Allen, I would say about Jarvis Landry. Landry is just one tier below Allen, in my opinion. Instead of providing annual top 12 finishes, Landry, though, offers steady top 24 finishes. He's as reliable as they get from year to year and has never missed a game to injury. It's incredible. Steady Eddie. This After his rookie season, so give him a little bit of a break as he was adjusting his rookie season, but after that, here's his points that he's scored the last years of his, of his career. 229, 196, 204, 196, 189, and 204. <laughs> That's what I call consistency. He is just steady Eddie right around 200 points a year, sometimes a little bit more. That's consistency, and that's what I want in a wide receiver, too, on my dynasty rosters, which is why I have Landry ranked as my number 25 wide receiver overall. What am I looking to do with him now? Uh, Landry is held steady in my rankings from year to year. He's consistent floor, like I said, does have a limited ceiling. Um, and I think because of that, some people think less of him than they do than I do in my eyes, which is why I traded for him, like I said, in two leagues, straight up trades for Tyler Boyd, who some owners, owners believed you know had a higher upside. Of course, I do try to draft players for off, up, upside. I do want those players whose dynasty stock's going to rise, but I often make trades for safe commodities, uh, and that's what Landry is for me, which is why he'll be in my starting lineup every single week for the years to come. I really believe that. Next player that I have in 50% of my leagues, you've heard me talk about him often, is Brandon Cooks. How did I acquire him? I drafted Cooks in two leagues, and then I traded for him in two other leagues. Um, two years ago, I traded Antonio Brown for Cooks straight up during the 20, I think it was the 2018 or 2019 offseason when, when Antonio Brown was just acting like a fool. I actually got so fed up with Brown and all the things that he was doing that I, I made this trade before he even signed with, with Oakland. I saw the writing on the wall with Brown and got out at just the right time, and most people thought that was a pretty crazy move, but right now it sure looks like it was a smart thing to do. And then I traded for him uh, during the 20. I traded for him during the season this last year at the end of the season. I traded him for a 2020 second round rookie pick um, after his poor season last year and before he actually signed with Houston. As for what I think about him now, Cook's dynasty value has more peaks and uh, and valleys than almost anyone. That's for sure. Um, anyone who's uh, been, I think I've seen him traded more than any player that I've seen so far. And of course, this doesn't just happen in our fantasy leagues. He's been traded by NFL teams as well, been traded three times. But the thing is that he's produced with every team right away. After his 216-point fantasy season in New Orleans, he scored 194 points the next year in New England. 
followed by 218 points the next year in Los Angeles. So after his rookie season, he really only had one bad season. That was last year in Los Angeles when he only scored 99 fantasy points. People label him injury prone, but he's only missed four games the last five years. People are getting this wrong. I'm excited to see what Cooks' opportunity will look like in Houston. Cooks is one of the fastest wide receivers in the league. He's excellent at getting open on broken plays and extended plays, which is where Deshaun Watson excels. And so I really believe that Cooks' value has dropped slightly in my wide receiver rankings. I, I still have him, uh, though it has dropped slightly, I still have him ranked number 30. As for what I'm looking to do with him, Cooks is one of those players that I've seen traded the most, like I said, this offseason. It's been, um, and I've been on the buying end, obviously, as I mentioned above. Um, I'm not really looking to move Cooks off my roster since his value is about as low as it's ever been right now, but I could consider it if he starts strong and appears to be Watson's number one target over Will Fuller. Um, That said, I'd only sell him for a hefty price because I've never stopped uh, really believing in him. I've never dropped his value too much to begin with. He's only 26 years old, and he signed a four-year contract with Houston, so he is going to be paired with Watson for the next four years at least. Well, I guess you can't say that with Cooks. He could probably get traded next year. Who knows what's going to happen? But I love him being paired with Watson. I love that he signed a four-year contract. I love that he's 26 years old, and I'm really waiting to hold and see what happens with him. Next player that I own the most of is Robbie Anderson. Have him in 50% of my leagues. How did I acquire him? Uh, I drafted Anderson in three of my more recent startups, and then I picked him up off waivers in uh, one league back, back when he very first started to break out for New York, um, outbid the other owners in our fab money to get him. What do I think of him now? Um, I value Anderson far more than and any dynasty analyst that I've seen. I have Anderson ranked number 47 as my wide receiver number 47, while analyst, I just looked at Dynasty League Football, and they have him ranked number 63. So we've got a pretty big difference there, 16. And that's their composite rankings. They have rankers who rank him as high as 58 and then some as low as 70. So I don't reach for Anderson in startup drafts. It just The fact is that he just falls to me at a place where I'm glad to take him. I picked him at number 206, picked number 206 in the 15th round of my most recent startup, which is a 14-team league. Picked him up at 206. I just like uh, that Carolina signed him to a uh, – a, he signed rather with a team – with a coach that he's familiar with and a very new innovative offensive coordinator. Of course, Matt Rule, his head coach, coached Anderson at Temple University. And then Joe Brady, the new offensive coordinator, was the coach of the offensive coordinator, the highest scoring collegiate offense of all time last year at LSU. I do believe that the depth chart is crowded. I think that's why people stay away from him. People are worried about DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. But I believe that Carolina is primarily going to play 11 personnel and Anderson's going to get plenty of play time and he's their best deep threat. As for what I'm looking to do with him, Anderson's going to be uh, kind of a bi-week fill-in or a flex play on my rosters, um, but he has the highest upside and trade value if he's used as I expect on his new team. Uh, he's the player I'd be willing to trade for sure, but only if his value spikes. Um, I already value him way higher than the market, so I need others to catch up before I would really consider trading him. Um, but for now, I'm happy actually just to have him on my roster to hold him and see how this new uh, Carolina offense looks. Last, we'll have two tight ends here. player that I own in 50% of my leagues is Dallas Goddard. How did I acquire him? Um, I drafted Goddard in one league. 
I traded for him as a throw-in a pack, throw-in kind of part of a deal um, in another deal several years ago. And then I picked him up off of waivers, actually, midway through the 2018 season, 2018 season in two leagues where owners just got impatient and missed his breakout year that he had last year. Very impatient owners to drop him. I gobbled him up right away when I saw that. What do I think about him now? Uh, based on talent alone, I have got it ranked as my number eight dynasty tight end, even though, of course, he's buried behind Zach Ertz, who I have ranked number five. So Philadelphia runs 12 personnel more than almost any team in the NFL. Wentz loves his tight ends. Uh, Doug Peterson, their head coach, play, he designs plays for his tight ends more than almost any coach. And Goddard uh, finally became a startable fantasy tight end last year. He finished 10th in fantasy points last year, while his teammate Ertz finished 5th. I think they can do something really similar in the years to come. So both Ertz and Goddard are signed through 2021. That's pretty interesting. They're both signed through 2021, and I think at that point it's going to be time for Philadelphia to decide which one they're going to sign long-term and which one they're going to release. I don't think that they'll sign both of them beyond that 2021 season. So if Philadelphia signs Goddard and lets Ertz go, his value will skyrocket because he'd be the number one tight end there again. He'd be basically take over what Ertz does. But then if they do sign Ertz and let Goddard go, I really believe that he'd sign a big contract with another team and become a starter from day one. I really believe that he could do that for sure. What am I going to do with him? <laughs> in all leagues where I own him, this is kind of convenient for me. In all the leagues where I own him, I have other tight ends that are actually starting ahead of him. In the four leagues where I own him, I have Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, and Hooper are all started in front of him this last year. Although the one league where I have Hooper, I don't really like that he landed in Cleveland. And Sir Goddard's going to be my starter a lot of the time in that season as I try to stream the tight ends. So I really think that Goddard's more of a long-term play for me. Um, I will often start him alongside Kelsey in my tight end premium league, so they're starting both of them together. But really, I'm holding him because if Ertz get hurt, gets hurt, Ertz gets hurt. That sounds really good, right? If Ertz gets injured, Goddard will immediately become the starter and a very tradable asset for sure, especially to the Ertz owner himself. And if I have to wait for Philadelphia to decide on their tight ends till 2021, um, I'm really happy to do so. I think that he is worth the wait. And then finally. Probably the least impressive, but had to be honest, this is a player that I own in 50% of my leagues, is Jack Doyle. How did I acquire him? Um, I drafted Doyle in three of my most recent startup drafts. Um, each of the last three years, I've kind of done a, a new draft each of the last three years, and all three of those drafts I have him. And then I also picked him up off waivers a year ago, during that year, two years ago, when Eric Ebron was having a breakout year uh, with the Colts, and people dropped Doyle, and I picked him up. What do I think about him now? I really think that Doyle's dynasty value has bounced up and down over the last few years. Of course, Andrew Luck, who targeted tight ends a lot, especially in the red zone, made his value rise early in his career just a bit. Then Indianapolis, of course, signed Eric Ebron as a free agent. Ebron was the one that stole all the touchdowns from him, causing uh, Doyle's dynasty value to drop pretty far. Andrew Luck's sudden retirement dropped his Doyle's value even further. And only a slight increase this, this year uh, given that Ebron has signed um, in Pittsburgh and that uh, Indianapolis now signed Philip Rivers. Uh, those two little things there lead me to believe that he's going to have a breakout year this year. Rivers, of course, has made tight ends a very great value throughout his career, and there's no one competing for him in the tight end targets this year. Um, I'm not worried about the Colts signing Trey Burton. Of course, they did sign him this offseason, too. Doyle's just a more complete tight end, and I think he's going to get a lot of the snaps, although it is a run-first offense. What I'm looking to do with him, uh, Doyle is not a tradable asset for me. 
but he's also not droppable, in my opinion. I think that he could make spot starts on my teams where I lack an every week starter. I actually have Jared Cook ahead of him in two of my leagues, and so I could actually really see Doyle starting over Cooks sometime, uh, some weeks this year. The other leagues where I have Doyle, I have Ertz ahead of him in two leagues, and so he's more just a depth piece in those leagues for sure. I'd only be willing to start start him, of course, if Ertz was injured. If I'm wrong, um, Doyle is not a consistent part of the offense this year. If that happens, then I'll happily drop him. He'd be one of the first guys I would drop from my teams, and I really would rather rely on younger tight ends as depth pieces. So the, the places where I do have Doyle, I also have guys like Blake Jarwin, Chris Herndon, Ian Thomas behind him. And so Doyle, if he doesn't show something pretty quick this season, would be a player that I would drop because I'd rather just wait and see what develops from these younger wide receivers like Jarwin, Herndon, and Thomas. There you have it. Those are my most owned players. I really recommend this to you guys if you are a dynasty owner of many teams to take an honest look about the players that you own. It's all right to love players and have most of them. I think that's fine. Um, I don't mind overexposure for the players that I like, but it gives you a chance to be honest with maybe your thinking, your process, what you thought about them then, and make you, make kind of forces you to think about what do I think about them now? So I appreciate you giving a listen. Uh, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I enjoyed a couple interactions with listeners this last week at dynastyfreaks. That's freaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than I am on um, Twitter, so email me. I'd be honored, too, if you'd take time to rate and review uh, the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.